0: Welcome to the Collab365 podcast with today's hosts, Andy Talbot
1: and Nick Bratoli. Hey guys, welcome back to the Club 365 Live. Well, I don't think we've had a chat, you and me, for about three weeks. That's you at home, uh, not my very special guest today. We've been talking all the time, and we've had so much to talk about today. So the reason why we're here today, we're going to talk about Ignite. Now, I didn't go to Ignite. I'm very sad about this. I had a lot of tears to wipe up. and i But just like you guys at home, I've probably been trying to catch up as much as possible. Now, there's many things that I'm going to be curious about, and, am, and probably you guys at home today as well. So please do get involved. Uh, the person who's mainly going to be engaged in chat today is Mr. Nick Nohair. Hello, Mr. Nick. How are you doing? Come say hello. What's
0: up, guys? I am great, and unlike Andy, I did get to go to Ignite, so I feel even better. Um, I'm, I'm not going to cut you off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but mentally, yes, I feel much better. Uh,
1: in well, you, well, you're looking a little paler and, and lost a little more hair. However, I'm sure okay. your brain has expanded even further after last week. So, we're joined by two very special guests and, and they're quite uh, valued regulars for us, aren't they? So, let's have a, a, a hello in no particular order to um, hmm, Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you all doing? I'm excellent. And Genoa, every time I see you, you just get hairier and hairier. What is happening with that beard of yours?
2: Well, you know, I figured I have my axe that's just outside. They wouldn't let me bring it into the building, but I dragged <laughs> it here and I carved a nice area in the forest. I wore my plaid so that me and, and my blue ox could just walk ourselves through all of this great ignite goodness. And I've tucked it all away in my beard. So we're just gonna be opening up little parts of the beard, talking about SharePoint. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: there's a lot in there.
1: <laughs> so there's definitely nothing's going to go wrong in the show at all, is there? And, and also, let's say hello to Docs. Hey, Docs, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, buddy? I'm great. I'm kind of wondering what's going on behind you, though. I don't know if I should run away from my PC or not. I mean, that was
3: scary. <laughs> <out this way.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured.
3: I just finished a meeting, and I figured, and I found out that every time I bring my bodyguard along, people tend to follow my orders.
1: <laughs> they do, right. <laughs> but but do customers, uh, do they feel inclined to buy your product? Are they kind of scared into it? Or... No, I bring, I bring somebody else. I have
3: Luke with me when we go to customer meetings.
1: <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad, glad you got that one, sorted. So this something we should talk about today. And I thought rather than letting you crazy kids run in the wild with it, we'll try and put together some kind of loose structure to it. So I think really the main thing that I, I got out of Ignite uh, from a distance, and that was around the strategic stuff. I'm really, really super keen on that. And for me, Microsoft for quite a while, I've been talking about digital workplace, digital transformation, digital X, Y, Z. It's really got quite a clear focus on, I think now with their new strategic message and for me, what I saw and what many people at home have probably seen as well, it's around modern workplace has been one of them, business applications, applications and infrastructure, and data and AI. Now, that, that came out of Ignite. Am I right with that, Mark?
3: Actually, let me jump in quickly. That actually Where? came out of Inspire, and I think the message was resonated at Ignite.
1: Mm. I missed that one. So let, let's have a chat about then. So, so Mark, the the this new message, do we think that's something that's going to stick around for a while and is going to make a lot more sense to businesses, especially kind of CIO and CTO level, when they're looking to understand about getting value from the product and and how Microsoft have carved up things, shall we say, to make more sense?
2: Yeah, I think it. Hope, I, I think it's starting to land. You know, obviously coming from Inspire, coming into Ignite, moving throughout the year. You know we'll sort of see how it resonates obviously you know we're sort of baked and polished on our end ready to you know pump it all out there um and <coughs> you're going to get that from me a couple of times today i apologize um but you know when you see where everything falls everything has a really nice place that it fits obviously it has a nice complement and how it bridges the gaps between the other bucket areas and when you're talking about one area like ai it's not absent of i'm only talking about you know the the assistants or i'm only talking about bots but really is talking about a pervasive experience from the end user for the developer managed by it you know it really i think is a an a, a, a complementary story um, even though if i find my little home of hey when we're talking about the modern workplace that's primarily where you're going to land a lot of the sharepoint and onedrive goodness but it's not absent of, well, of course, we have the, ap- the, um, the aspects of the graph that are going to touch into AI. Of course, we bleed over into you know, some of the BI and, and other data analytics structures because we're maybe one of the consumers of them but, not them, but not necessarily at the forefront when you think of Power BI and other things that the Excel team is doing. But I think it gives a nice um, conversation piece, and I think it gives nice hooks before you get into the, here's the 100 things we announced or before you even get to that, you know, looking at what are customers trying to do and these uh, buckets really help uh, have those customer stories.
1: I'm gonna completely agree with that because I replayed these into a, a session I had yesterday with some very senior effects. And it made an awful lot of sense, I think. It, it resonated because rather than just going, hey, there's all these fantastic new things, it was able to put it in themes and go, you know, this this could be a program and it gives us an opportunity to explore it further. And also partners are going to be, in my opinion, aligning to these messages. I suspect that Gartner and Forrester, which are typical papers that CIOs and CTOs and, and so on, are going to be reading. Uh, it's going to make sense. And in the ISV space as well, my my kind of expectation is that ISVs will be using these turns and aligning value adds around it. And I guess that kind of dovetails into ducks here because this is this is a large area of your work, isn't it? In the ISV space. Can you tell us um, what your take on this message is? And do you think it's correct that people in the ISV space as well will be using that to communicate around what they're offering?
3: 100%. So from my perspective, there's really three points to it, right? So number one, I agree like putting these themes or buckets around a function versus a feature makes a whole lot of sense because I mean, if you look at our world, right, I come to work, first thing I do, I turn on my computer, Windows boots up. I have Office. Uh, Yeah, I use Office 365, SharePoint Online, but I don't just live in SharePoint per se. I have mobile. So so the concept of modern workplace just makes total sense. So so that's one, and it's really exciting. Uh, Second is beyond these uh, themes where Microsoft's heavily focused on is the industries. Uh, At Inspire, even at Ignite and Envision. Uh, they, they Microsoft highlighted the focus around obviously public sector, financial services, uh, retail, manufacturing, education, healthcare, and and now if you layer those two, right, modern workplace, healthcare, um, business applications, retail, especially to decision makers, boy, that now it clicks. We're not just talking about Power BI, Grab, OneDrive, or Teams. I mean, it's important. Don't get me wrong, but then looking at a holistic view around digital transformation is how can these technologies from Microsoft accelerate the business through this transformation around these themes? The last point is, to your question, what does that mean for ISV? So for our company, for example, AppPoint, it's an exciting time. It's an opportunity not only to connect with our uh, uh, traditional customer base, uh, folks working with SharePoint, folks working with the cloud, Azure, Office 365, but now it allows us to elevate our conversation what's the value that Apple can bring to modern workplace in public sector, right? How can we work together with your investment, your Microsoft investment, so we can help you further uh, improve your, your business with business applications or AI and whatnot. So to me, it's an exciting time. It's a great opportunity. It's a great way to expand further our portfolio of opportunities.
1: That's an excellent message. Now, one of the things I was quite curious about, whenever there's a new uh, major strategic announcement like this, um, I I like to go into the partner portal because the partner portal has a lot of great resources. It makes our our life a little bit easier because there's a great guideline. Um, Now, I haven't noticed anything in the partner portal updated around this so far. Uh, So one of the things I quite like to understand is if people at home are wondering, where can I get a deeper insight into this make sense, strategic message from Microsoft, where would be a great place then to go and find out more?
3: So, at least from what I've seen, and I'm sure Mark has resources too, is obviously a change like this takes some time, right, to uh, propagate throughout the organization and content and marketing and whatnot, but one of the great places I would start with is they just do a search on Microsoft Enterprise. a uh, uh, Microsoft for Microsoft Enterprise, and it kind of lays out all this nicely. Another area that I've seen a lot of updates already is in the Microsoft 365 site, so we'll see some of this
1: messaging as well. We're definitely going to come to Microsoft 365 at some point, quite soon. Uh, but I'm quite curious to know from Nick. Nick, you, you—is it fair to say you work in a in a micro consultancy space? But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not having conversations with large enterprises. Who this message may make a little bit more sense and easier for you to yes. put across the value. Let's talk yeah, about. so that.
0: I, I work in both spaces. I do a lot of small business stuff, but actually, I do things for very large organizations. Um, and, and you're right; it makes more sense to them. Um, though it does uh, start to resonate with smaller businesses as well, because they want to do all—they want these enterprise capabilities. But in the past, it was so expensive. So you had to have all this infrastructure to back it up. Uh, licensing was a lot more confusing, um, and they also don't know when to use what, just like bigger organizations do. So I think they have a lot of the same problems, um, and I think the, these new messages are kind of helping explain that more.
1: That's fantastic. Now, with everything, there's always a subset to them, aren't they? And, and I know Dux has certainly touched on some of that. Now, from a, a late night conversation that uh, Mark and I were having uh, over email, I might add, um, <laughs> we were talking around uh, some stuff that Jeff, T- Jeff Tipu was mentioning. And it, and it goes a little, a layer below modern workplace, isn't it? Now, if I look at my notes here, um, Mark, you were saying that the kind of buckets it lands on is around sharing and working together, informing and engaging employees. I, I'm going to go for the other three points as well. Harness collective knowledge, protect and manage, and extend and develop. Well, to me, that that almost feels like a, a, a complete wrapping into Microsoft 365, which we'll, I, w- I want to talk about quite soon. But first of all, could you talk a little bit more about how that message came together?
2: Yeah. You know, one of the challenges with something like Ignite is Ignite is a conference for the whole company. And, you know, to reverse that, I think, to a lot of what Dux was sharing is it's a conference for anyone and anybody uh, you know, who is interested in moving to a more modern digital workspace or, you know, being more inclusive of a lot of different types of people that they work with and how they work. Um, and not to be too broad, but, you know, as you start to narrow in, you know, sort of not every customer is shaped the same um, and <coughs> not every customer is at the same level of their journey in terms of use of product and absent and and whether we're talking about Microsoft or not you know, how modern are their productivity experiences? How modern is their security? Do they feel like they need to invest in certain areas or not? And so landing on the sort of the for everyone, and of course every session, you know, once you get beyond Satya on day one, and you move through some of our larger presentations that sort of are organized around our bigger groups here at Microsoft, each of them are trying to land not not, not just what you heard, but where they're going. And so, you talk about Jeff Teeper and some of the things that we shared over email, you know, everything ladders up to Microsoft 365, and that's kind of our new reality in a good way. It's the best of what Microsoft can offer, and hopefully it's as clear as possible in simplified terms. But as you start to, you know, kind of explode and narrow from Satya down to Jeff, or Jeff down to Mark, you know, when I took on stage, you know, later on Tuesday, You know there's some level of okay you you heard earlier today or you now sort of understand the the foundational elements of what we're going for but you know also here to kind of learn specifically you had a question around how can I make my intranet more engaging or you know I've got some solutions that I need and I I can't keep hiring a developer and waiting six weeks I want to do some things quicker or I know there's some partner solutions out there how do they plug in what can they do differently now and what can they do better and so at some point, we get down to where the rubber meets the road. Uh, but they all ladder up in terms of when I actually want to go get it, how do I do that, what is it, where does it fit in? And then, of course, when you get to you know specific scenarios, use cases, and ultimately, we might get to the point where we're talking about new and exciting features, but we want to make sure it all landed. Uh, and so when we get down to that kind of day of the big SharePoint announcements where, of course, I selfishly would talk about today, um, That it makes sense for what it is, why we did what we did, what's new, and of course, how does it fit into the broader picture for when a customer says, I'm going to bet on Microsoft, I'm going to bet on a Microsoft partner, Um, they should have a real good foundational context of that. Um, But with that foundation, certainly we can't just keep hammering the same set of three slides. People get it, people are smart, and they want us to move into the specifics and the specifics for SharePoint, OneDrive, and Yammer, and of course how we integrate across 365, starts to get into some very unique modern workplace style elements of scenarios. And the ones that we chose, we don't want them to be too grandiose, but at the same time, it's not just a feature announcement. And so with the ones that you listed, um, it gave us some catch areas where when people are wanting to share and work together better, here's a set of technologies that we've you know, been working on. To inform and engage across the whole enterprise, certainly we've got some specific elements and we think differently between collaboration and communication, but of course with a lot of shared tech and on and on. I, we don't necessarily need to go on through them, but you know, with each level, we did a lot of work to make sure it laddered back up, but at the same time landed so that there was some tangibility to each session for the way that
1: we tried to design the whole week do you think it makes the when to use what story a little bit more simplified and, and easier to navigate? And I, I can see Docs nodding here. So I'm going to go straight to you on this one, ducks Yep.
3: hundred uh, percent because now the conversation is not even about teams, groups, Yammer, SharePoint, OneDrive. I mean, it is, but then you start the conversation, okay, what are you trying to do at work? And that's why I keep telling everybody about the productivity library and fast track. If folks doesn't know, they don't know about that, just look for it fast track productivity library. And the conversation is around a business use case and then, okay, oh, I'm trying to you know, improve my expense process. And then based on that use case, it lays out which tool, when and what, all that good stuff. So it makes it easier and it shifts the, con- the, the context, not on technology, but the outcomes you want.
1: Nick, do you yeah. think this has changed the way that you might approach um, consultancy engagements? For sure. Um,
0: It's definitely more about your processes rather than, hey, we have the new cool software, we have to use it now, uh, which I've seen in a lot of cases where they just buy everything because it sounds cool. Uh, Centering it around your actual processes makes way more sense because then you can kind of figure out when to use what and how they all work together. Um, That's definitely the message that I've kind of tried to convey in the past um, with limited success. So hopefully now this
1: actual message coming from Microsoft themselves will start to make more sense. Well, we can ask Microsoft themselves, can't we? So, Mark, because hey, you had something ready to say as well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of the the day, you know, the age-old problem. Uh, you know, you come up with something new, certainly trying to solve <coughs> solve for existing problems. Obviously, take lots of feedback and and guidance and direction that people want us to go, um, and certainly by growth and acquisition, both in our world and certainly what we see our customers doing. You know, there's a lot of different people to address. Uh, And we think we're doing our best we can in terms of addressing the different needs of those different people. Uh, And so one of the things that we certainly came out with I think pretty strong uh, to tackle that what to use when more from a not here's a feature list and you know when you're trying to do X use Y. um, You can have that and I think if you if you have that time to. To look distinctly at, what are you trying to accomplish? There will always be a really good recommendation and I mean, it's not just because it's there. It's because that's how it was designed or that's what it's best used for.
3: Well, one but thing we had, at night, Mark, I thought that was really cool is there was a session that they showed the inner and the outer loop.
2: Exactly where I was going.
3: I thought that was really spot on, clear, crisp and, and it, it can help the conversation get started.
2: Yeah, and Dux, you're, you're just exactly right. And, and where I think it's landing is it gives something people can just use a mental model around. If I'm addressing my inner loop, which might be, uh, you know, people that are actively engaged on a core project or people that you routinely either hierarchically report to or routinely work with because you're just a good uh, virtual team and you're going to do it again and again and again. And so there is the definitely the inner loop. And then uh, the other one that Duck said was the outer loop. And that doesn't mean to say that these aren't people that you don't work with frequently, but they may not be making the sausage. They may not be you know, in the noodling of what are we gonna do, how are we gonna do it, what are we gonna say. It's more at that point in time where it's like, nope, we're, we're confident in what we're uh, deciding, and now we're gonna message it out more broadly and get engagement so that of course you can get feedback, but more engagement around, you know, not the, the should we do this or should we do that, it's, uh, you know, my customer's now asking X, you know, do, does this sound like it's the appropriate thing? Um, so in the outer loop you want to do that in a more open way and you want to do that obviously in an engaging way, but it's less about, you know, the, the ones and zeros on the slide, it's more around what's the right message and, and how can I better target it? Um, and, and within that it sort of then starts to pack apart and I'll just be selfish in some of the stuff that I manage If I'm thinking about the inner loop for SharePoint a lot of the inner loop is experienced from a team site perspective where you're doing things collaboratively collaboratively with others and the outer loop is something more like a communication site uh, or something like we announced like the hub sites where you're doing more of your broadcast announcements and so if you use that you know when am i working with my inner loop what tools do I need when am i working or pushing out things to the outer loop and how might I do that and and it will land on using different technology. And hopefully you see, at least for things that we're designing and some of the new functionality, it's for those exact type of use cases. Um, so it, it seemed to land pretty well. And depending on what tech you're talking about, when somebody asks you a question, what do I, how should I think about Teams and Yammer? You could easily say Teams is primarily focused around the interloop, inner loop, whereas Yammer is more focused around the outer loop. And then the discussion evolves from there. You know, I, I could see uh, the new. Uh, my next set of slides will be
3: T-shirts: inner loop, outer loop.
2: <laughs> and then what I want you to do, also ducks, because you've got the energy and the power. I want you to create the hyperloop
3: Ah, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, we, I, now the Star Wars theme. Actually I wondered when that was coming in. <laughs> uh, anyway, we digress. Now I got my juices flowing.
1: <laughs> right, I'm going I'm to bring you naughty school kids back into line here. So let's um, so first of all, let's ask, let's ask Mr. Nohair, has anybody at home been talking or given their thoughts on this in the chat? Because it'd be great to get a bit of feedback, only if um, it's good, mind you. So yeah,
0: so not, not so much in the chat. They're they're mostly talking about how Microsoft fits in with other third party solutions. Um, though beforehand, we put out a poll to see what kind of things people are interested in. Um, And they're very interested in hearing about all the new cool stuff like SharePoint 2019 and some of the new web parts that are going to come to that. But before we
1: do, let's do do a little bit more strategy stuff because I believe the conversation uh, has to be correct when it comes to key stakeholders and those are effectively signing off. Right. So let's talk around Office 365 to Microsoft 365. Now I'm gonna give my my personal take on it. Back in the day, we had um, ECS, right? Was it Enterprise Cloud Suite, I believe? And then we moved into a rebranding, I think it's fair to say, into SP, SPE, Secure Productive environment or enterprise environment. Anyway, uh, and then along came Microsoft 365. And the thing I noticed about this is it looked and tasted the same to me at first glance. So I was getting Office 365 uh, for the enterprise space and either an E3 and E5. I was getting enterprise mobility and security and also Windows 10. That's great. But I thought, There's a lot being talked about in this Microsoft 365 label. There's got to be more to it, and it it feels like to me now, this isn't just a rebranding. This is having a lot of extra stuff thrown into it that makes sense. I mean, if we think about Microsoft 365, it's an enabler for productivity and security to me. That's the way I would sell it to the most basic level. Um, But out of Ignite, we noticed there was uh, more enablement in this area. So Microsoft 365 now also accounts in the SMB area. So you have the business offering to around 300 seats. So you getting all of that enterprise goodness in a small to medium business size. And then we've got F1 as well that's rocked up. So let, let's talk a little bit about what is Microsoft 365. Is it just a relabeling of ECS to SPE to Microsoft 365, or we're we on the right track that it, it it goes beyond that now? It's more than just a marketing exercise. Mark, if you'd like to take this one.
2: Yeah, I think you can look at it. Obviously, it's a, it's a broadest motion that we have at Microsoft to give a real solid packaging for for one area of it where you're getting the best of Microsoft without having to you know chase it all around without having to have multiple uh, you know, licenses and, and vendors and, and everything. you know it just really does come as one element. Um, I think it's also a great way to think of the evolution of how we got here is it is just as you described. it inclusive it includes Office 365, Windows 10, a lot of our security investments but in a way now that it really is its own entity. And so if you think about, you know, we used to talk about Office 365 as Exchange Online, SharePoint Online, Skype for Business, you know, all of this parts and pieces, but really we just want people to think it's just Office 365. It's a great product in the cloud and it can help you do a lot of different things. We talk about sites or mail or calendar or, you know, calling and whatnot. There's a lot of capabilities of it and it's just that one thing that people can just have in their mind. I have Office 365 and it allows me to do X. I don't need to know a bunch of other brands, uh, even though certainly we've got lots of of value in all of those brands. And I think it just up levels that discussion. When you think of Microsoft 365, think of all the things that Office 365 isn't as a part of that offering. And Office 365 has never represented the desktop, uh, you know, outside of the client itself. It has never represented the security side of it from a level of which Microsoft stands behind that same value. We always pitch at the data center, but now down to the individual and it's all a very personalized experience Um, And certainly there's a ton to unpack of what is Microsoft 365 sort of the what you get But the value that it brings is you're gonna get the best from Microsoft And it's not gonna be something that you have to think about do I have that or not It's kind of like you're investing in office 365 E5 plus 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 Um, And, you know, really are getting the best value from a price point, best value from the technology, and I think just the ease of maybe, hopefully over time, the mindset of somebody saying, oh, I've got Microsoft 365, it's got me covered in a lot of areas, not just productivity.
1: And so just to myth bust for those that are very unclear, Microsoft 365 is not a renaming of Office 365. No, definitely not. It's definitely
2: as same as we were talking about, you might have heard from Satya on day one down to Jeff. Satya, for lack of a better pattern, he really represents Microsoft 365. You're gonna hear all of what Microsoft has to offer. And at some point you may get down to, well, what are the productivity components of Microsoft 365? And you know, Then you're going to talk about Office 365 and the client applications and you know all the things that we offer there, but it's just going to be a component of that, but within the same uh, level of discussion, right alongside when somebody says, okay, that's great, I, I love the productivity offerings, now tell me a little bit more about how that's more secure for my individuals, boom, and it just then talks about another area of Microsoft 365.
1: And it's more accessible as well to people that are not at large scale, aren't they? And I really like that with the Microsoft 365 business and also the fact that we've got the recently announced Microsoft 365 education and F1. But before we come to that, Dux, I'd like to get your insights into this new message around Microsoft 365 and how it really is more than just a, a relabeling of what we previously knew as it being SPE.
3: Yeah, I think just like the packaging, if you may, of, of uh, modern workplace and different themes, I think this makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, if, if I can have a wish list or think, I, think, I think there needs to be more messaging around it and awareness because I, I think at least from the people I talk to and customers I talk to, there's still some level of confusion. Uh, I get asked, like, at, at night last week, oh, are they killing Office 365s? Is it Microsoft 365, no, no, no. So with the same explanation that Mark had, it makes sense, but I think the message hasn't landed as clear as, uh, at least as, as I think it should. And, um, it, and and I think because of the naming, right, 365, people are automatically concluding that, oh, they're changing the name again.
1: Correct. I've heard a lot of chatter around that. So, so
3: I think, I think the, the message needs to land better, in my opinion. Um, and I'm sure Microsoft is going to push more of that uh, in the basic concept.
1: Now, one of the things I, I particularly uh, love, and we just touched on it lightly a moment ago, is around the new F1 plan. So previously, my understanding is that the lowest level of licensing, unless you're picking off individual pieces and in Office by was around the kiosk plan. And now we have F1, and there, there are some discrete but important differences between the kiosk plans and uh, F1. So, uh, Mark, to you, you, my understanding of F1, and this is very recent understanding, because obviously it's very recently announced, uh, is that it's predominantly for frontline workers. And there are a number of great examples where that may apply, where people are engaging directly, representing your business to an end customer. And we could think of that as retail, for example, or maybe even in, in a certain chicken restaurant, who knows? Uh, but uh, Mark, if you'd like to give a little bit of insight to that, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so, I mean, part
2: of it was just up-leveling, you know, what is a kiosk worker, You know, and what was that skew? Um, if you look into the you know announcements of what's new, they certainly get a lot more capabilities. But it really is addressing the what is their experience when they're on the front line. And I, I think the the name, uh, you know officially is the first line of defense, that first line worker, that people those people that are really representing the business, directly with customers, directly on the manufacturing floor, directly with, you know, a patient in the hospital, but they don't necessarily always have uh, a desk to go sit in or when they are sitting there, Uh, you know, they certainly are there for a lot less hours than maybe for somebody who is going to be more uh, sitting at a desk. Um, But that's not to be limited in what do they have access to. They should be able to access any portal or any communication site or any element that somebody builds for them, whether that's an app, whether that's a site, uh, whether that's something that's being shared with them. Um, they shouldn't be limited to where they can put their own things. You know, so that offering never had a, an element of OneDrive for Business, now it has a slice of OneDrive for Business for those workers. Um, still is a very uh, price-effective offering. Um, but with when people talk about how many first-line users they have, it's not just I have 10 of those and then the rest are in the thousands. It's the flip way around. I have thousands of people Correct. that are represented in that way and they can't be underrepresented by the technology that we then offer to them. Um, not only would they feel underrepresented, but there there isn't a real uh, like paper-based licensing reason to because they are equally as important. It's just some of their requirements maybe don't require them to be you know in front of the computer for for hours on hours with you know some of the uh, richer client experiences but beyond that um, you know it's a it's definitely uh, repaving for what those
1: uh, users really do versus the way that we had skewed it in the past. Now you, you mentioned about cost-effectiveness and I I particularly like the price point of this because if you look at the E1 licensing, uh, and I'm going to quote UK pound sterling here, uh, but the published price uh, all discounted um, prices aside, is around £6 for E1 licensing, whereas the F1 individual licensing it's £3, so that's 50% less. Uh, so I, I think that there's going to be a lot of appetite for this. Uh, now, one of the things I just want to uh, I want to move on a little bit further on this to, to think about things that uh, we can expect to come into Microsoft 365 in the future. And there's been a lot more talk around even more personalized search experience. And I guess for here, the first thing we can really talk about is Bing for Business. I, I believe it's still in private preview, is that right? That's correct. Okay, so Docs, so I know you, you've probably been sitting in and, and consuming a lot around Bing for Business. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your take on it, please?
3: Uh, so personally, I really like the idea, right? So so these days, it's it's all the one-stop shop model. If We make it easier. Uh, my initial take after seeing it and especially boy if you didn't see the keynote i love uh lee chen miller's uh tenacity and passion booyah do it do it, do it. Re- represent it say it now that's right no, I- i'm gonna drop uh, it was super, super, super epic awesome booyah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that aside uh, i think it makes a whole lot of sense it's great uh, personally i haven't tried it uh I- i'd be keen to see if i can try it out but but the idea of having a one-stop shop where I run a search, I, I would see the consumer results and then my enterprise results based on who I am. It just makes sense. The big question I have is, how does that work, and maybe Mark may have insights, around the existing search in Office 365, right? Um, will there be at some point in time some kind of integration, aggregation, and whatnot? Because while it's great if I'm in consumer Bing, enterprise results come out. But then what about on the flip side? What 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 about if I'm an internal Office 365 running a search where I get that same experience?
2: Yeah, so I can tell you at least what the team is is aiming to do, you know, at the very, very core of all of these new experiences specific to search and the graph, is that it has that same source of data. Um, obviously if I'm on Bing and I'm doing a query that resonates to the you know to the AI component as Oh, this is a intranet search and I've got a lot of smarts behind to show you people documents calendar and whatnot because that's where they're searching from but it happened to be that they were really looking for something in the enterprise versus looking on the internet but if it was a, a kind of a strange term in the sense of it could be internal it could be external it's not going to expose anything except to the end user that has credentials to see the internet and to see the enterprise And it's always going to trim it based on who they are anyway. We know that about the graph. But when you look at um, the various search uh, starting points, it really is meeting the end user where they're at. Are they in SharePoint already? Are they on Bing? And and maybe they were or were not intending an intranet search, but it may resonate that what they found is helpful to them. but it has this sort of boundary, no boundaries approach to where are you and what results can we provide to you. The results are gonna come from the same source which is the beauty of it. The graph is the graph no matter how or where you search from. It may be tuned a little bit differently because I may see elements of the graph if I'm coming from OneDrive for Business where I see just files. Versus if I'm in SharePoint, this slice of the graph will give me a little bit more than files. It will give me pages, news, sites. Um, but they're all plumbed and programmed against that same body of index
3: and the graph itself. Um, Go ahead. Okay, speaking about the graph, the other graph, the LinkedIn graph integration. I mean, there's so much possibilities. Well, we're still in the early stages of LinkedIn integration. There's a couple of announcements already with a with a LinkedIn card that we show office 365. But imagine if we can combine the power of the Microsoft graph, LinkedIn graph. You know, big for business. I mean.
1: That would be the day. Yeah, they should. I, I also think all of those capabilities would play back into those key original messages, though, wasn't it, around modern workplace, business mm-hmm. applications, and so on. It feels to me that there, there is a near, if not complete, and evolving framework to encapsulate and use all of those to cover off those key strategic areas. That's
2: right. And I think that's where you have a pervasive experience. We want to have a consistent experience for when you do a search. If you're doing a search in in Bing, obviously they already have uh, an experience in terms of what does it feel like to search in Bing. But when you start to expose and some of the result sets are coming back and they look a little bit like here's a person and you hover over their name and here's the people card and now you get a little LinkedIn and the files they're working on, that people card experience is becoming more uh, consistent. But the nature of if I'm in uh, Windows, if I'm Bing for business, if I'm in uh, Enterprise Search Center or the new SharePoint Home Search, I'm in Delve, I'm in OneDrive, I'm in an application like the SharePoint app or the OneDrive app, when I do something as explicit as I'm looking for something, I'm going for a search, the experience or what I will get as a result set more and more over time, and really already if you ask me, is going to be that same set of results. Because it's going against the same index and the same graph.
3: And and then taking further, right? Even even things that I'm not looking for, the the AI capability where Cortana will tell me, remind me, I mean Cortana's doing that now on Windows. You know, randomly I get pop-ups. Well you said this on your email, make sure you do it, right? Yep. That's that's a good step, but furthermore, it may be in context as I'm working on a document, for example, Cortana may recommend and say, Well, you know, you're working on this. There's this other document that your colleague in Australia actually worked on that kind of matches up. You might want
1: to look at it. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of thoughts around search because um, I feel that at the moment we're in a bit of a crossroads where there was the historic way that we did search and then modern search, modern search experiences, let alone all those different frameworks and, and capabilities that may merge them together. Uh, now. We, we, we're thinking this too, uh, Cloud365, we're like, how do we get those answers? So next week, we are actually uh, privileged to be joined by Naomi Money Penny, and she's going to be joined with um, Agnes Moller and, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, I guess at some point, people want to know a little bit more about what's actually happening under the hood. And that's probably where Nick will go a little bit further into detail, but we'll keep more about the strategic piece and, and what does that all mean together. Uh, now, moving a little bit further beyond that, Dux, you and I were in a taxi not so long ago in London, were we? And we we talked about Skype for Business. And we went, oh, I wonder if they meant to slip or not, that this could be be coming into Microsoft Teams. And, of course, we know that there's an announcement that is happening. Let's talk a little bit about that. Mark, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're stitching you up, actually, here. Do you think that was accidental or not? I think... Everybody who is looking at Darth
2: Vader right now knows it was his fault.
1: You know, it was the for, death. For bit. people listening on podcasts, there is a rather large Darth Vader hovering over ducks. It's quite disturbing, but um, I'm going to accept your answer on that one. Let's talk about how how that works then. I mean, because some people are saying, "Does that mean I'm going to lose this this lovely lightweight component of the Skype for Business application on my desktop, and I have to go into something that perhaps I don't want to be in because I'm not in a high velocity chat based collaboration workspace, whatever that is?" What what's it going to look like? What's it going to taste like? So, you know, I'm not on that team
2: specifically, just to be very clear, I I probably won't be able to take it too deeply, but basically what they announced is, you know, they've been working on unifying the back end purely for the sake of better communications, better IM, better video, obviously at the high end video working with the Azure team and getting all of the meeting capabilities clear, And connecting to groups you know where when a group has a meeting to have that automatically captured and available within the team's experience and having actually be a good media playback experience there's a lot of plumbing and there's a lot of work that the team has been doing just to make sure that no matter which client you're using these days that that back end really is a unified core Um, so if you think about just making the back end better and obviously features, obviously complementary to each other, that of course teams introduce new features, um, but to not lose anything that you get from the Skype for Business and of course previous iterations of the various clients and to bring those together so that you have just a single client that we can offer out over time. Uh, I think that really was the main announcement. Um, whether it slipped or not you know, is to be determined by if you look at the date, but the go-forward plan is to make a really nice, solid, rich offering for when people are communicating with each other. One-to-one, one-to-few, and of course, one-to-many. And that bet has now, uh, you know, got, got a horse uh, in the trade, and that's Microsoft Teams.
1: That's fantastic. So, Nick, did you uh, spend a little bit of time looking further into this from Ignite?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Not not a whole lot. Um, basically, I learned all that stuff that Mark just said. <laughs> um, so, they're... It's still kind of new. They announced it. I may or may not have known ahead of time like a lot of people did, uh, but I am very excited about it. I think, as we all know, it's always been the same team, right? It's always been the Skype for Business teams, that design team. So, so um, it, it makes sense for them to be more heavily integrated than they
1: already are. Fantastic. Well, Mark, I, I heard that you quite like SharePoint, don't you? Is this correct?
2: Oh, are we, are we talking about SharePoint today?
1: Do you know what? I, I, I felt that, you know, 40 minutes in, maybe maybe we should mention it. I mean, this started off as my core bread and butter. Yeah, lots of,
3: lots <laughs> sure, of web there, parts.
1: There's loads of web parts stuff, right? <laughs> I'm sure you're so excited to talk about it. The first thing I want to talk around is, before we talk around all those kind of new, uh, lovely, tasty bits that have been added, You're very you, I've observed uh, from both conversations we've had in Redmond and also uh, ongoing since then, You're very passionate about the um, the mobile work experience with that. So the remote access, the mobile, and so on. Did a lot change from Ignite? Was was there a lot that you were very excited to talk about and announce to to enhance that experience? And I guess it kind of builds on when we originally talked about communication sites some time back and the modern um, SharePoint home.
2: Yeah, I mean, besides just, I'll get into a couple of the main feature announcements the whole experience that you know sharepoint offers going forward and and really has been i think for the last year but every new experience and everything that gets tested you know really goes through a significant mobile review a mobile experience gets validated you know with with research and of course sitting with end users you know asking you know do you like it is it easy is it, was it easy to determine you know what to do next um, and so they go through a lot of design reviews with you know people that will sit with us and you know, kind of take a day of, of lumps. And then the outcome though, of course, is a very engaging, highly rated mobile app. Um, we came out with some pretty uh, big updates to the SharePoint mobile app. Uh, and of course, some of the new announcements like hub sites and additions that we did for communication sites, team sites, news and pages. Everything, if I were to show you sort of, here's the roadmap slide or here is what we announced, everything uh, is accessible from the mobile device. Uh, everything, Every page, every news article, every web part, every experience, and of course then the specifics around the SharePoint app updates were things like the new Me tab, the ability to see a hub site on the SharePoint mobile app, Um, some of the notification capabilities now if somebody makes a news post or makes a change, you'll get notified, and uh, the ability to do uh, the creation side. It used to be iOS where you could create news on the go, now you can do that with Android. And then finally, Android also caught up where we now support on-prem. So if you're using the SharePoint mobile app, that concept of no site left behind, no information left at not accessible to you, everything we talked around search, of course, ties into, you know, if you're connected in a hybrid fashion, the SharePoint mobile app, it's still a very front end, a great front end to be able to access and find that content, those people, that site, whether it's on-prem or, or online. So tons of investments in that space, some new features and functionality, um, but really I think it's that pervasive access so that no matter where you're at, if you're on the web, on mobile, if you're going through whatever browser, whatever operating system, you know, we've got you covered. Uh, and we really mean it. It is exactly where the team is building for. And, you know, if you look into a design review with Jeff Teeper, his first question is, how does it look on mobile? Because then you know it's going to look great on everything else. But if it doesn't look great on mobile, then, you know, you kind of shake your head and and tell him, put it back in the oven, you know, come back later. Fantastic. Uh, so
1: should... one of the things you mentioned there is around hub sites. Now, that that I saw was very much baked into Microsoft 365 F1 plan offering. I'd I'd like to, for the people at home that may not be aware about hub sites, just, just talk about this a little bit more because I haven't seen it being discussed at large currently.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it was one of our, our new announcements. So the first time that people would have heard about it was at Ignite. Uh, and really, we, we kind of laddered it uh, at the Jeff Teeper talk on Tuesday so it was a big announcement for him and of course for us Uh, how it ladders up to 365 f1 plan this plan that you know it really is a pervasive technology it's primarily more for admins to create so if I have the need in our company you know for a hub site or 10 hub sites or a thousand hub sites you certainly can do that but you would request somebody like a tenant admin or a SharePoint online admin to create uh, initially the hub site Then it's the role of the site owners to be able to then join their site to the hub. And so if I'm an owner of a team site or 10 team sites in a region uh, or a specific sales cycle or something where I've got, you know, like we're aligned here in Microsoft that's more product oriented, I might have a variety of sites that just work better together. Uh, And so a hub site can do that. I can join a team site or a communication site under a hub site and I'll get some direct benefits. I'll get the top navigation across all of those sites now that'll help me navigate as I go down into a site, back up to the Hub, or down into a site and into another. I'll get consistent uh, cross-site navigation. I'll get a common look and feel so that when I join a site to a Hub site, it will inherit the theme, and it will also provide a roll-up of all of the news and all of the activities from that joined site to then bubble up at the at the hub site level, um, so it really gives a new tool for the intranet. And this is where, when we talk about how to better inform and engage your employees, you know, we've got a whole toolkit, and it's not just the toolkit of Office 365. It's that that level down. It's the area of sites and pages, and you know, a lot of the new web parts and how you can create new experiences. Um, but the hub site is just a little bit more of a parent level ability to join sites together to best represent a a broader group and how they work and, of course, giving them easier access to the content that they're looking for.
1: And out of curiosity here, Mark, is this uh, currently at the moment in the Office 365 space for SharePoint Online? This would
2: be uh, first available in SharePoint Online. It's not something that will come until early 2018, but because it's a broader uh, notion for people to hopefully think in terms of what is it How do they want to plan for it? You know, obviously giving time before it lands. Um, You know, we wanted to introduce it. Uh, You know, we didn't feel that it was introducing it too early, but certainly it's not coming right away. Um, But a lot of the innovations that around the sites themselves, the the benefits of the new stuff for team sites and communication sites, new web parts, new layout capabilities, some of the new animations that just make your experiences better and more engaging, those will come before end of the year. Um, But with hub sites, Once they land, we hope that people have done the kind of the information architecture planning or thought around how might we use these, and then when they land, they're super easy to use. You just join, and I think the value of what they can do is you can also unjoin from a hub site, which maybe sounds silly, but as the needs of the business change, so too will your intranet need to evolve, and that that should not be a rigid experience.
1: Um, it sh- almost feels like we we could expect this in SharePoint 2019, and you're probably wondering when I was going to mention that.
2: Yeah, you know, there's a lot that we're considering for SharePoint 2019. You know, we announced kind of the when for SharePoint 2019. We talked about it coming to beta mid 2018 calendar year, and by end of 2018, obviously being able to ship and make it generally available. Um, we didn't disclose uh, really much about what would be in the box. Um, but as we say, with the cloud and moving to on-premises, everything's a candidate. And if you look at the elements that make the most sense, that aren't as cloud-connected, even though once you use a hub site in the context of the cloud, it's very deeply connected, um, there are some elements that you know may or may not be easier to put into the package. But beyond that, we're not declaring what's in. Uh, we're not declaring also what's out. Uh, and we'll be real clear about that when we get more closer to our uh, May event, which for SharePoint is, you know, a much bigger event, uh, you know, kind of beyond Ignite with a lot of events in between. But but I would expect that's where you'll learn a lot more details and, you know, potentially initial uh, offering for beta.
1: I can expect that, that you know an awful lot of great stuff that's going to come out of there. <laughs> now, ducks. One of the things I quite like to know is uh, what did you what were the key, key kind of takeaways for you when um, all these new innovations from Ignite Room mentioned around SharePoint.
3: So, you know, to Mark's, I want to echo Mark's sentiment. I think it, it's exciting, right? While well, we 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 we've all kind of seen this movie, how uh, from the inception of SharePoint to where it is today. There's still a lot of excitement and buzz, and it's obvious that it's a mission critical application technology that organizations are are relying on day and day on. But the exciting part is Microsoft's continuous innovation. So Mark talked about uh, innovations on hub site, communication sites. But I think for me it's it's the simple things in life and tweaking make it easier and better. For example, you know, OneDrive, the experience in OneDrive is becoming more and more better, and easier, you know, the sync capability, uh, the, the integration with Windows, uh, with the creators update that's coming up. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's all these little tweaks just making the experience better. Well, certainly I love the new capabilities, you know, again, communication sites, hub sites, uh, and also all the, um, the the announcements around upcoming, you know, 2019. But it's just these minor tweaks that just makes the experience of, Uh, fundamental capabilities in SharePoint much easier, much better.
1: Now, one of the things we think about when, um, if we want to start engaging with this and we want to move from on-prem, and I'm very much simplifying this conversation, so forgive me if you're shouting and screaming at me right now, but let's say you want to move from migration to cloud. It felt to me that Unless you were shipping off discs and so on, of course, there are many different ways of getting data into Office 365. Your best kind of, for me, I would have recommended you know looking at migration tools to help you along there. Now, of course, there was uh, an announcement around the SharePoint, the Microsoft SharePoint migration tool. And uh, Mark, I wonder if you can give us a little bit more insight into that, please.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, when we announced, I guess, uh, right in line with when we announced the upcoming SharePoint 2019 and and alongside, obviously, all the other servers, um, part of that discussion, obviously, is a thought around, are you going to continue to invest on-prem? And that's not for me to ask. That's for customers to certainly weigh in. And if their answer is, you know, I've been looking at 2016, I've been looking at moving to the cloud, uh, you know, a big obvious thing we haven't really talked about is the coexistence of the two. Um, we call it hybrid. You can call it coexistence. You know, the, I think what it is is its reality. Um, and we found over the years that if we hadn't made any hybrid investments, then we'd be a little bit dead in the water because it's either this or that. Um, and certainly there are areas where you can have your cake and eat it too, certainly with levels of investment. And part of those investments are, yes, I am starting to move more and more to the cloud. And and so we see specific workloads, you know, know, moving to the cloud a little bit more easily. Um, And some of that is around OneDrive for Business. Having OneDrive for Business in the cloud and everything else on-premises, completely supported, very easy to get into in terms of IT project, and a great benefit to end users. you know the other thing that you do when you establish hybrid is get into something like a single sign-on experience. So end users, as they navigate from a site on-prem to a portal online or or whatever the scenario might be. Um, but I think the other value is once I've established something like hybrid, or I'm just making the notion of moving wholeheartedly to the cloud. And how am I going to get there? It's just putting that right plan together. Uh, if you have simply just file servers and real simple use of SharePoint on-premises. That's where our migration tool may come in handy. And it's certainly not going to solve everything. That's not its intent. But its intent is, you know, if you don't have a, a, a complex uh, installment or deployment of SharePoint, or you've got, you know, some areas where you really are wanting to consolidate and move content, pure just documents only, then our migration tool I think will be uh, you know a benefit and certainly available at, at
1: a cost that's pretty zero. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, when I downloaded it, I certainly wasn't asked for any credit card details. I couldn't look yeah. into it, but I'm wondering also how it handles multi-factor authentication because I've got that enabled. But anyway, that's probably just a, a little quirk on my side to work through. But what I did notice was it was only 16 megabytes, so it's quite light, right? So also in the back of my head, I I had I, I was I'm not naive enough to think this is going to solve all peace, peace when it comes to migration, um, but at this point, I'm actually going to go to ducks on this one, because this is an area that you, you're you particularly uh, specialized in, right? Yeah,
3: 100. hundred percent. I think Microsoft releasing the migration tool and capability, I think it, it's, it's really good. Um, you know, certainly a lot of people know as AppPoint, that's one of our core capabilities around migration. We have migration tools, we provide uh, migration services, but to Mark's point. So a lot of the, when customers come to us and say, Hey, look, you know, our, our scenarios are very simple, we want to try it out. Uh, we'd be happy to recommend uh, even what Microsoft provides, right? Because I, I think it solves uh, a lot of the uh, simple use cases or even if they want to see, take scenarios and whatnot. And then where we come in is we can, we can complement and take it to the next level. So for example, one of the big things we work uh, with customers is around this idea of compliant migration where, you know what, I want to discover my data, cleanse it, tag it, make sure I comply with GDPR, and then as I move the content, I want to transform, making sure that things are tagged, classified, you know, PII's, you know, scrubbed off, um, or URLs are transformed because now we're in a new location. So so that's where we can support and help. So we, you know, I feel like this is a good thing. We can complement what Microsoft offers. And, in fact, it, it fills in a gap, I would say, where uh, some customers may be looking for that need
1: it It made an awful lot of sense to me, in a lot of conversations I've had uh, with people in the space where they have. Not a, a large number of bums on seats, but enough data that they wanted to go to the cloud, but maybe not the budget for it. I, I thought this has been the blocker for going to Office 365. Again, I'm, I'm really simplifying it here. If they have to pay for an ISV tool or go through some kind of drag and drop exercise. So when I saw that announced, I, I've got to be honest, I did hear rumors and I kept my mouth well and truly shut on that. And I'm not going to say anything further, uh, but it was music to my ears because it makes that part of the conversation. So much easier Saying yes, there is a free or just about free point of entry, of course, where I said uh, free uh, from the tool, not the, the cost of the person doing that work, of course. And now one of the things you just mentioned a moment ago, Dux, was around um, where there is value add. And Microsoft are very clear about this. There are certainly opportunities uh, where they rely on the partner network to, um, to fill those voids. And one of those is around GDPR, isn't it? So uh, one of the things I I have been particularly impressed with in Microsoft Cloud is around the options that once you're in the cloud, uh, there are so many GDPR uh, compliance uh, solutions available. Of course, it doesn't mean much without policy and procedure and process and so on. But I presented on this not so long ago, actually in that point event with Denis Simbikov um, and a few other friends, and we talked around. What does GDPR mean at a high level? What kind of policies and procedures you have in place? And what does Microsoft Cloud offer? And this was my piece. And from a show of hands, I was really shocked at how much uh, how much people did not know about the options available there? GDPR was a hot topic at ignite, wasn't it? And hopefully you guys um, went to some of those sessions or at least yeah, consumed from it. Sure. So Nick, Nick, go ahead because this is quite good coming from somebody in North America who um, is maybe not as close to it as I am.
0: Yeah, so um, I did sit in on a, a Mechanics Live. Show of on the GDPR and it was exactly what you're saying when they're like, hey, everyone, raise your hands if you know what the GDPR is, and like three people raise their hands, and they're like, all right, raise your hands if you do any work in the EU, and a lot of people raise their hands, and uh, so it, it was kind of uh, distressing to see that. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. GDPR was uh, heavily represented at Ignite. There was a whole booth there in the uh, Microsoft section um, that had a pretty heavy revolving crowd there. Um, so hopefully, some people got. Some, went away with some good information on it Well, so, well one, go on one go thing, Andy, i want to hit on is
3: uh not much around GDPR, but you you raise a very important point i think this is something that people don't really think about i mean microsoft you know builds phenomenal technology but the way microsoft has grown and scaled is through the partner network i can confidently say that there's no other companies out there with a solid network like what microsoft has so uh, in case people don't know Uh, In the Microsoft partner ecosystem, there's over 330,000 partners around the world. And when we say partners, it's companies building software on top of Microsoft technologies or companies providing services uh, uh, for for Microsoft technologies. And and, and with that sheer size alone, and I think that's a great benefit for a lot of organizations investing in the Microsoft ecosystem. Certainly, Microsoft will do their best providing all the best of breed technologies, but Microsoft cannot... Provide every uh, technology for every scenario, and that's where partners come in. So that's one of the great things at Ignite. You know, other than looking at what Microsoft has to offer, it's just really engaging with a lot of the partners out there and seeing the innovations that people have on top of the Microsoft stack. Just like to your point around migration, right? Uh, Microsoft provided this great migration tour on SharePoint, but anything you know beyond that, there's a whole ecosystem of partners that can help support.
1: Yes, there is. One of the things I particularly like about um, Microsoft 365, if you ever needed a use case to sell it internally into your organization, then I would say GDPR, the privacy by design aspect. So by having Microsoft 365, of course, we're going to get Windows 10, we're going to get enterprise mobility and security, and Office 365, for which there are a a plethora of available options. But if you're only just consuming an Office 365 offering and not the rest, then I would say you're leaving yourself a little bit out in the cold when it comes to the GDPR compliance and the options available. Now, we are going to come and revisit this topic uh, again quite soon because I just can't my nose out of it, truth be told, uh, plus I think it's a very good thing. Uh, we have one minute left, so in that one minute, anything, any passing final thoughts about Ignite and what where people should perhaps be thinking?
2: You know, I think one thing that uh, Ducks was just talking about, and you know, if you sort of look at the microcosm that was this Ignite conference, you know, the one nice thing about it is, obviously, for Microsoft, it's a big thing that we put on so that we can talk a lot about news and announcements, and, and certainly there's a lot of excitement there. But where it really starts to get real is real discussions, talking with real people who give us immediate feedback, whether they like something or not. Um, but I think the biggest microcosm that, you know, if you catch it on the first couple of days, is the Expo Hall. Mm -hmm. And really to see how many people are interested, obviously how many partners are engaged, the role that everybody plays. You know, you go to the Expo Hall and it's not just the Microsoft Showcase. You know, there are some really, really nice conversations and demonstrations. And I think that sort of whether it's Microsoft 365 or if there's a new SKU that ever comes up and says everybody, you know, who works with Microsoft 365. Um, you know that it's a really well orchestrated uh, offering out to the customer what are they looking to do is it out of the box is it custom is it something that's available uh, you know through partner and the answer is usually yes you know you certainly can be uh, uh, taken through a lot of new experiences new offerings in a way that feels you know for lack of a better word well orchestrated um, and I really think that's a testament not only to the partnerships and the technology, but I think really the experience that the customers require these days uh, and some of these bigger buying motions and how they use it and how are they going to take advantage of it certainly come out as well. Um, but Ignite to me was a real uh, uh, you know badge of, yeah, it feels like we're going in the right direction and, of course, the immediate feedback and sort of the notions at and after Ignite would resonate that to where, you know, it feels like, yep, keep doing that uh, and we'll keep doing that and we'll keep working with partners and customers, you know, we'll keep telling us what we they do and don't like and, and we will take that as a guide.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for your wrapping thoughts there, Mark. Uh, Nick, I'd quickly like to come to you. And, and in a few seconds, can you just sum up your, your experience and, and impression of Ignite?
0: Yeah, um, so I had a great time. Uh, I definitely got the most value out of the personal connections, meeting people face to face. You learn a lot talking to people in different uh, areas of experience. The sessions are good, but I did not go to that many. I'm going to use the PowerShell commands and download them and watch them at home. Um, but it definitely was worth it. I had a lot of fun um, going to the expo hall, learning about the different products that are out there, seeing the demos, like you said, seeing where everything's connecting together. Um I definitely would recommend. I've already booked my hotel for next year, so I recommend
1: everyone else do the same. I'm going to be there next year as well, and you hit something really important there that the content is available. Uh, you can to really go and consume that. Uh, Ducks, your your final passing thoughts from Ignite. I'm sure you have so much to say, but we'll condense. it. Yeah.
3: So it. real quick, I, I think this Ignite was awesome. It's, it's it's a community, the engagement, and one thing we didn't talk about is Microsoft's investment. They tried this with the community of reporters. I think it's a it's a great initiative, and uh, that's something I look forward to uh, uh, in future Ignite. So.
1: You yeah, know, right, I think we'll do a mini yeah. interview on that in, in Paris in a couple of weekends time. How does that sound? Brilliant. OK, well, guys, and girls at home, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, there, there are going to be so many different uh, Ignite webinars going on. Uh, we certainly don't operate in a compete area. This is all community for free. Uh, no one's paid there. So please do take the opportunity to go to those other sessions. I'm sure Mark and Ducks are going to be rocking up in all sorts of different forums uh, coming up. Uh, apologies if we didn't get a chance to answer any questions. Uh, there probably was a lot, but we'll blame. Nick, if there's a problem, absolutely because <laughs> I like stitching people up and yeah, enjoy. And wow. uh, now we're going to be back on Tuesday, the 10th of October, which I believe is next week, and we're going to be having a chat with Naomi and Bunny Penny. Uh, Mark, a quick a quick intro about Naomi because um, you know exactly what she does, or so good enough, don't you?
2: Yeah, so Naomi certainly, from a workload perspective, talks about search and discovery, anything Microsoft Graph, anything Delve, anything search related, especially as I think one of the real key leaders now at Microsoft for the virtual team around search because so many things ladder up like we talked about to that same index in the graph. Um, But she's also just a super friendly person. She knows her SharePoint. She also has some higher degrees than me, so she's pretty dang smart. Um, And she's obviously very knowledgeable about what are the end results? What are the outcomes? What are people trying to accomplish? And in the context of search and discovery, when you go through some of these experiences like a SharePoint portal or a SharePoint site or an app of choice, um, you know, being able to to layer that down is uh, uh, what's the
1: best experience and, and how, of course, how are we doing it? She's also, like you say, she's a very friendly, very smiley person. So thank you very much to my special guest today, uh, Mark Cashman from Microsoft, Ducks Raymond Sy from AdPoint, Nick from I don't know which room you are in today, but uh, I assume it's your home office. And uh, myself, uh, Andy Talbot from Nando's London. Uh, please do join us again next week. For now, have a great day, and I'm off to the pub. Yeah. Bye bye. And also
0: come to our conference on November first because it's definitely gonna- do that. Awesome. Thanks everybody.